Good morning. And a happy Valentine's Day to you all. I hope that you gentlemen have done the right thing. And uh, you've made sure you've got at least a card. Okay, if you push it out there, you might even have flowers, even chocolates. I actually was reading on the internet to, to find out what was the root of this Valentine's Day. And apparently there are three different, um, as it were, views. One, it was a, a kind of a fertility type thing. Well, forget that one. The other was uh, that St. Valentine was apparently a, a gentleman who, there was a then, then what was it, let me see. There were soldiers, and the then, as it were, king said to the soldiers that you can't marry, and he spoke up against it, and he was killed. <laughs> the third one, which I like more, was the fact that he, he, he apparently was a martyr. He, he spoke up for Christian things, and he was martyred. So I know, you know it's up to you which one you choose. So the root of Valentine's Day has very, very little to do with romantic love. It's actually to do with, with sacrifice and standing up for something that's right. However, uh, you know, it's been hijacked by Hollywood and it's romance, yes, and it's flowers and all of that stuff, which is good. You know, keeps everything. If you've been mad a long time, like I have a bit of coming up almost like 29, 30 years, it's good. <laughs> Now, Eileen, bless my heart, you know, this morning, she said, oh, I'll do breakfast. I did bring the flower, of course, and I did bring the card. And she did me the eggs cooked in a heart shape. <laughs> cooked in a heart shape as well. And it was greatly received, I can assure you. It's now become a part of me. <laughs> and by the way, welcome to Blair, all the way from Australia this morning. Okay. Your goodly wife is still there? Okay, well, welcome, Blair. Blair's come a long way to come to the service this morning. <laughs> yeah. He's come all the way from Australia, so we welcome you. So, get into this message. I don't know what's happened here. I think it's to do with the electrics, etc. Okay. All right, I've got a hand mic now. Last week, Rick introduced our four-part series, Distinctives. And he reminded us about one of the most important characteristics of the church, which is the presence of God in our midst. And God, (laughs) I'll wait for him because it's going to be really funny on the tape, you see. (laughs) Man's got his hand in my pockets. About God's presence. You can hear me? Yeah? Oh, no, he's going to turn up in a minute. Yeah, yeah. And in it, he reminds, he, in this message, he reminded us that it's God's presence that distinguishes us from every other community on the face of the earth. Many people have come into this community and they've come through the door and they've kind of said, Whoa, what is that? You know, I just feel peace. Or as some people, as in my case when I came, you know, you start to cry and bawl and you can't understand what it's all about. Preacher hasn't said anything yet. But you just sense this love. That's the presence of God. He went on to say this, which was very important. That in the Bible we see that God's presence was associated with the tabernacle. Which was something that was temporary. But God has decided to make his dwelling place permanent 
amongst the church, the people of God. When we come together, when we gather in his name, he promises to be there in person. God's here this morning. His presence is in this place. And Moses said, you know, if your presence does not go with us, we will not leave this place. And I remember the last message that Chris preached before we left Marlborough to come here was about his presence. And I remember him saying, if God's presence isn't in this place, then we're not staying. I'm glad to say that when we came here, we found God's presence here. And we've been coming ever since. And the final thing he said was this, that we take God's presence out into the community. We are conduits of his presence. His presence isn't just in one place. When you go out into the community, wherever you live, wherever you work, God's presence goes with you and is in you. Great message. And if you didn't hear it, get the podcast. Now, today on Valentine's Day, we're going to consider another distinctive of the community of God. The distinctive of love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So so you must love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The word Jesus used here for love is rooted in the Greek word agape. I need to define love here because love means different things. It's not physical love, the Greek word for that is eros, neither is it storge, which is what we call family love. God doesn't expect you to love everybody like the way you love your family. Neither is it filio, Philadelphia, brotherly love, affectionate love. It's the love of choice. On people's wedding day, they usually choose 1 Corinthians 13, which we'll come to a little later. And they are full of love and passion, etc. But actually, that's not the love they're talking about there. It's the love of choice. That when you wake up in the morning and your, your wife is sick, or you don't, are not living up to her expectations, or she to his, or yours to his, and all the rest, that you choose to love. It's a love of choice. It's a love of will. It's not to do with feelings. You know, I've been married 29 years, and I'm sure, and I know there's times when I would want to run off. And I'm sure Eileen may have felt the same too. And I'm sure that we're not the only ones who felt that way. But we choose to stay. Because in most cases, you only go and replicate the same thing with someone else. You know, after the passion, then you have to get down to the living. Yeah? And I'm putting it nicely. Yeah? But you know, after the passion and they are jumping on each other and everything like that, we actually have to get down to the living stuff. Yeah? Yes, it's true. It's just, that's the reality, isn't it? We have to pay the bills. We have to put out the rubbish. Someone has to do the washing. Yeah? That's the other side of it. And it's this kind of love that you need. A love that chooses to love. You know, in John 3.16 we read that God so loved the world... That he gave his only son. That whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. God demonstrates that true love always chooses to what? 
to give. Always, always, not to take. As we who are God's community gather together, we're called to demonstrate three types of love. A love that's inclusive, a love that serves, and a love that never fails. So let's look at our first one. A love that's inclusive. Galatians 3, 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I work in education. And there's a tremendous amount of legislation that is going in about equality and diversity. Diversity, Some good, some not so good. However, God has always been inclusive. He embraces every tribe, every nation, every people. He doesn't kind of look down and say, well, hmm, I like these people, but not that. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, you're black or white. God embraces everybody. You know, the church, it's challenged. The people of God, it's challenged is to embrace, to be all embracing in its life. Now, I've been, had the privilege of being involved with Vineyard now for some, I don't know, 14, 15 years. And I've been to a number of Vineyard conferences. And as I've looked around, I've almost said, well, we're the brothers. Some of you got that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> What I'm saying is that what I, when I looked around, I couldn't see any people other than Caucasians from the middle class variety. <laughs> that sounds better than white, doesn't it? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it was just, they're all from Surbiton and Kingston. And, and, I, and I'm thinking, well, where are the brothers? I'm sure Jesus died for them too. Where are they? Right, and one of the things that's blessed me and blessed Chris is the fact that we have a congregation here that is it's multicultural, it's multi-ethnic. And I remember Chris said he went when he went away last time he and Fliss, oh, I think that was to um, down to Chicago, and they went they visited a number of churches. And Chris came back to me and he said to me, "You know, Dan, didn't feel comfortable. I said, Why is that? I didn't see any brothers there, man. I was wondering where were they." <laughs> I'm used to seeing brothers in church. When I went there, they were just like Caucasians. And he's kind of looking around. So one of the things, and Chris actually was saying to us leaders that we are going to have a leadership that will be multi-ethnic. I know I'm part of that, but there's going to be more. That's the point he was making. A A church that represents our society. And by the way, you know, we didn't design it that way. It's just happened that way. Now I know Chris will blame me and say, well, it's because you're up there. We have some now. Yes, I know that. But God calls us to feel comfortable. And he, he doesn't look at people in terms of their color or where they come from. In fact, I remember once I was a, with a, a tremendous Bible teacher. His name was Dennis Clark. He was from Rhodesia, which is now called Zimbabwe. And I was in the conference and a lady was saying to me, are you from Africa? You know, etc. You know. And I usually say, originally. <laughs> so, as Dennis Clark came past, he said, Madam, it's not where he comes from that's important. It's where he's going. Amen? And it's where you're going that's important, more so than where you come from. Yes? 
We're not concerned about your racial, social or economic status. Paul, I remember, said, he said, look, brothers, remember your background. Many of you were not mighty. Many of you were not wise. But God takes the weak things to shame the wise. In other words, wherever you come from, this can be a home from you. Whether you are high class, middle class, in between class, whether you're black, white, pink, yellow, or with polka dots, God welcomes you here because you're family. Yeah. So how is this love demonstrated in the life of the community? Well, we're welcoming... We're open, honest, accepting, inclusive, and non-judgmental. We work hard here at Vineyard to be welcoming. We don't spend our time just being exclusive, talk, inc- exclusive, talking to the people we know. We reach out, and it's not by default, it's by design. We're welcoming. It's one of our values. We are open. And what we mean by that, it doesn't mean just all things, we accept everything. But we're open to receive people wherever they are. We're honest. And what we say like that is that it doesn't mean that we just accept everything. But we will be honest with you. We will be real with you. You know, we believe in Christian marriage. We believe that it's, it's, it's from God. But we have to also be honest and say that sometimes it doesn't work. That people do get divorced. And we have to manage that and deal with it. That's why we have divorce recovery. We're honest. We're accepting. We accept you where you are. Wherever you are in your walk, in your journey, if it's towards faith, we accept you. And we're non-judgmental. You know something? My experience of church, particularly those churches that preach Bible... Is that church can be one of the most judgmental group of people in the world. Particularly the Christian variety. Christians can be so judgmental. I was one of them. You know, especially if you read your Bible. Then you know how to judge people. You know how to make people feel uncomfortable. Something goes wrong at church or in the church. And instead of there being love and compassion, there's judgment and factions. The one community where there should be love and mercy and compassion and tenderness, usually there's judgment and harshness. Amongst our congregation here, I know there are people who are here who have come from churches where they've been wounded. You're not supposed to get wounded in church. You're supposed to get healed in church. But more often or not, what we find is that people come, come from churches and they are wounded. Because the expectation of love that they had, was they didn't receive it. It wasn't reciprocated. So some people, they never come back to church again. Because of a failure or the way that they were dealt with. If one thing we have to work on is not being judgmental. One of the things that's blessed me so much in this being part of this community over the last 14 odd years is that as pastors, you get to know what's going on. Some good, some not so good. But I've seen the people in this community where they've known things about people. And when they've met those people, I've watched them deal with them with love. Not draw back from them. 
Receive them. Love them. Honour them. I'm telling you, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. But I've seen it here. I've seen it. I've observed it. Wonderful thing. But we are non-judgmental. Romans 15, 7 says this. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. What brings praise to God? When we accept each other because Christ accepts us. And by the way, he knows all the detail. The bits that you don't tell your friends. Yeah? But he still accepts you. He still receives you. He still says, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive grace and mercy for your time of need. He receives you. Even though he knows your stuff. We're friendly, we're relational, we're caring, we're loving, we're genuine and outward looking. That's a value that we have here. We are friendly. We'll talk to you. Most people who've come here for the first time said, well, someone actually talked to me. They came up to me. They smiled. They asked my name. And here's the thing, friends. If you can get the name and next week you recognize them and, give the, and mention their name again, bing, 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 they're back. Name recognition is very, very important. Relational. We are a community that seeks to interact with each other. And the way, one of the areas that we do that in is through life groups. You know, in a church this size, you know, there's some people who go to smaller churches and say, well, we don't want to be part of a large church because we don't want to get that intimacy. Um, I said, well, you, you didn't understand, you know, when God made things, he didn't make one or two of them. He's into numbers. He's into multiplication. He's into big things. Yeah, he didn't just make one flower, you know. You know, he didn't just. And each one of us is an original and unique. Yeah, you know, snowflakes. Each one its complexity is unique, and there are billions of them. You see, the thing is this: that in community, that's where we find out. We find who we are. When you're in a life group, it's an opportunity for you to get up close and get some accountability in place. Life group is a place for developing you as an individual, for equipping you. A place where you can share your stuff and no one's going to go, but really, Dennis, how could you do such a thing? Yeah? Because I remember when I was, you see, I come from a Baptist background. And we used to have home groups. And how it used to go is that we would come together, have a cup of tea, talk, do some worship, do the Bible study. Then we would, it would go something like, uh, does anybody have any needs? Oh, so everybody's great. Okay, let's eat more cake and go home. So what we were doing is that we never really connected. Then I went to a kinship group in Vineyard. And you know, we had some worship. And then one of the ladies began to share. I was shocked because she's a Baptist. And she said, I was driving up the road and this bloke cut me up and before I knew it, the F word was out my mouth. Well, blow me over. I was like, what? <laughs> I was shocked. You know, I, I thought, well, we don't share that kind of stuff at group. Man, this is, the, you know, we're, we're people of God. God, God, we don't do this stuff. <laughs> we are the holy people of God. <laughs> but there would be, the thing was she's being real. And then, you know, when the men would get together, we start to share our stuff, man. These guys were sharing stuff. I'm thinking, mm-mm-mm, this is not what I'm used to. 
You know, I've got a problem with alcohol, I've got a problem with pornography, I've got... I'm thinking, mm, man, this is serious. Do I really want to get this close? <laughs> but it was real. People were actually being real. They weren't trying to do the play being looking good spiritual stuff. And it happens in relationship and it happens in life group. But you know the wonderful thing is, we don't have to fake it anymore. We can be real. You know, if you're a husband or wife and you've been growling at each other. That's rowing, but we don't use that. We're saying disagreements, you know. And you can both come to small group that night and they ask you, how's it going? You say, fine. You don't do that. You say, look, man, we're just in war at the moment. And, no one, and everybody doesn't go. <laughs> they come, come on, we're, we're in the same place as well. And let's pray for you. See, there's compassion. That's caring. That's loving. Colossians says this, and, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So that's what we're like as a community. That's how it's demonstrated. That's how it's worked out. God calls us as a community to reach out in love to all sections of our community with his love and continue to welcome all those who are looking for Jesus wherever they are in their walk with him. And you must remember, you know, when you come here, there are people who are, who actually, just, they don't belong. They belong, but they don't believe. So, you look at their behavior, and please don't be judgmental. Be merciful. Remember, you were there too. Now, some of us, I know, we were born in the church. But that's not true. For, for many people, that's not true. They had a life before they came into church. And as they're coming along, some of that life is still on them. But we look to be gracious and merciful. And non-judgmental. Next one, next point then. I love that says John 13, 14, and 15. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. It's interesting because in this discourse he goes on to say that, of course, love is the key, is the killer act. It's the key thing that distinguishes us from other communities. But here Jesus says another key thing is how you serve. Love is demonstrated in a way that you serve one another. And by the way, let me just say, advertisement here. But it, love is also demonstrated in people who do refreshments. And we need some people on the refreshments team. So if you really get a heart for this message and you understand what it is to serve, we'd need some more on the team. So come on the team and serve in this way. It's another way of loving your brothers and sisters. You know, Paul put it this way. He said, look, each one of you should not look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. You see, when you're in, in business, and I, you know, I work in education, and you know, we've got some heads of department. My head of department is a very humble guy, Robbie. But we've got another guy. And it's obvious what he's about. He's a London boy. He's come up at the college, to the college to work, to improve his CV so he can get the next position, a vice principal job. And he's not hiding it from you. He's not a team player. He's a competitor. It's all about my people and my department. And it's about... I've got the largest, you know, the best success rates, etc. So what's he, is he there to serve his people? No, he's there to feather his own nest so that ultimately when the time comes and he looks in the Times Educational Supplement and he sees the VP job, he's gone. 
He's in it for him. But in the church, we're not like that. We're not competitive. See, two things. When you serve, don't serve to meet your need for affirmation or a sense of achievement. That's not what it's about. If you serve like that, you're in big trouble. Because you're serving for the applause, you're serving for the position, you're serving for the title. But that's, it's, that's not service. See, Jesus, you see, Jesus was, as we read, he's the son of God. And it says in that passage there that he humbled himself. Beautiful hymn writer put it like this. He, he contracted himself to a span and incomprehensibly became a man. He limited himself, laid aside his majesty, laid aside his authority and became a man. He humbled himself. He didn't trade on his position. Devil tried to tempt him to do that, but he didn't do it. He looked out for our interests, not his own. If he looked out for his own interests, he would have stayed in heaven. And here's the point. When we serve one another, we want to serve one another, not looking out for ourselves, but looking out as to how we can help those people achieve their goals or how we can help this enterprise here be more successful in what attracting more people for Jesus it's not about you it's about him and about his purposes and when we serve we don't serve to get affirmation you're affirmed because of who you are you don't serve to get affirmation you hear that? You don't serve to get affirmation. You're affirmed because of who you are. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're born of God. You have all the rights, all the authority that is yours because of your position. Not because of your activity. I remember Rick saying one day, you know, God said to him, he was running around doing all this stuff. And he said, I, I don't need this. I don't need your service. What do you mean? And what he was saying is, look, I don't need you to serve so that you can appease me. I love you. You're my boy. And I'm proud of you anyway. Out of love, Christ waived his rights to be served because of his position. Poet, I think is Ralph Waldo Emerson put it like this. A great man or woman is always ready to be little. A great man or woman is always ready to be little. Jesus put it like this. Whoever wants to become great must be the servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 10, 43, 45. So, love serves. Love looks out for other people's interests. Love looks to bring out the greatness in others. And that's a word for leaders. Love, if you're a leader, your goal is to bring out the greatness in others. You're there to big up the people you've got. This love is not outward looking. It's, on a person who's will- it's a person who's willing to be part of a team. And they focus on the success of others instead of their own needs. And let's look at our last point now. A love that never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 
4 to 8. Now, this wonderful scripture is read at many weddings, but I'm going to read some of it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is, we're called to have a love that never fails to defend the absent. Let me explain my own sins. We went to the Bible week there, um, New Wine, one year. And if you've ever camped or ever had a tent and you're going on holiday, Rick's already ahead of me, it's stress city. You get there, and I mean, my wife is a very organized person, and we'd arranged for the caravan to be in a certain place. And when we got there, the caravan wasn't there. So Eileen's asking me, where is the caravan? Like I know. Yeah. You know and it's kind of stress. You know, and, you know, and of course, you see, it's, it's one thing when you're on your own without your brothers and sisters. But when you're around them, it's not easy if you're stressed, because you would, you would say things when they were there, but when they're not there, that you wouldn't say if they are there. Right? So stressy, tension. Anyway, we got the van, all the rest of it. And, you know, Eileen, I could got the tooth next out of my neck. I was all right. And I'm there talking to Mike Holday, and I think it was Mike, yeah. And I'm having a moan, basically, about Eileen. I'm saying, what is wrong with this woman? You know, I got it. And Mike just cut me, man. He just said, Dennis, it's not fair. She's not here to defend herself. Da, da, da. <laughs> He was right, bless your heart. He was spot on. She wasn't there to defend herself and I'm there giving it all of that. Or let me put it in more colloquial language, I'm slagging her off. Yeah, because you'll understand that. Yeah? Now, love defends people who are not there. So when someone's having a go at your friend, your pastor, your whatever, you need to defend the absent. It's challenging, isn't it? Defend the absent. Love does that. A love that never fails to defend the weak. You know, we're in a society where the weak are there and it can, it's so easy to just trod, trod on, try to tread on, tread on them. But we're there to defend the weak. A love that never fails to minister God's mercy. This week, on two occasions, I've had the opportunity to, to minister God's mercy. One of my customers... I mentioned her name because it's not fair for that, but we've known each other over many years and she gets washing and powder or whatever from me. So I'm sat down there one evening with her and she's a teacher, former colleague. So she begins to share and she tells me now how when her mum and dad got married, the marriage got into trouble within weeks. And in fact, what happened was her mother fell pregnant, but her father rejected the mother and denied the pregnancy. Now this is a long time ago. So when she was born, her father denied that, he was, that she was his child. 
So all through her life she grew up with this sense that her father didn't want her. And then as she reached teenage years and began to break away from her family, the tensions between her mother began to surface. And her mother spoke a horrible curse over her, saying that, you know, your children, I hope that they, they turn out to be nothing. And that was a hard thing, but she left with that. So she shared that. And as she shared it, she began to cry. And as she talked, I just sensed the Lord say, right, I want you to minister my mercy to her. So pray for her. And it was wonderful because she was able to forgive her dad, forgive her mum, break that curse of her life, break that off of her kids, and experience God's compassion and mercy that she, so she knew in her heart that she was not an accident and that she was always wanted and God was always there. Another instance, I'm, I'm coming home now, it's Friday, and I'm thinking, man, I've got to get home, see if I can get some time in to prepare this word. Because I don't teach Friday afternoon. So I'm walking back, one of, the, one of my neighbours, in fact, she's a very successful businesswoman, has her own restaurant, etc. Oh, I see her. I said, oh, hi. She says, oh, you haven't been around, you haven't come around for a cup of tea. I said, oh, boy. I said, oh, well, I want to get on to do the sermon, but all right, so going to have a cup of tea. Now, what happened there, she's worked really hard, very successful, four-bedroom house, restaurant, nice car, two kids that she brought up on her own, nice kids. One of the kids now is a little bit what we call, they're very easygoing. The word is phlegmatic, but they've also got a stubborn side. Anyway, there's been tension between them. Anyway, one day she comes home, and when she comes home, she sees a note on the table. And when she looks around, she sees that all the shoes of her doors have gone. She's moved out. She has this terrible feeling of failure. So she tells, talks it through, and then as I'm there, the Lord says, just pray a blessing on her. So I said, look, let me pray a blessing on you. And just pray God's blessing on her that she's not a failure. That what she's gone through is what many parents go through. And she should be encouraged. And she should be uplifted. You see, in that moment, you're just a channel. God just wants to use you to minister his love to people. I hasten to say the young lady came back and everything's better. But for that lady, she needed to be uplifted because she went into depression. She felt she was a failure. She was beating herself up. God wanted to just come along and say, look, you're all right. You're okay. We're called to be conduits through which God's love and mercy can be communicated to people. He calls us to have a love that never fails to minister God's comfort. You know, most of us in here, if not all of us, need to be comforted. And we know that sometimes we go to the wrong places for comfort. But God wants to use you and me to communicate God's comfort to other people. Because he's the comforter. Physical comfort is one thing, but God's comfort is totally different. It's a love that never fails to forgive. And forgiveness, like love... Is a choice. You know, that lady had to choose to forgive her mum and forgive her dad. Forgive her dad for rejecting her before she even came forth from the womb. She had to choose to forgive her mum for speaking out such negative words into her life, resulting in her, in a sense, her being divorced, etc., etc. 
but she had to learn, choose to forgive. And it's funny, as I was praying for her and she forgave, as she spoke out the words, it's like I saw just like a, a smile and a calm just come over her face. She wasn't carrying that around anymore. She carried that around for 40 plus years. A love that never fails to be generous. You know, God has been generous with us, friends. I know I'm here by God's grace and his mercy. I don't know where I, if it weren't for his goodness and his mercy, where would I be now? I would be standing up here. You have your own autobiography. God has been generous to you. He's been merciful to you. And you need to have gratitude for that. Don't look at the things that you haven't got. That will come. But just think about it. His love is unconditional. His love is unconditional. It's not based on your ability to perform. It's based in his ability, on his ability to give. You see, as parents, it's difficult for us because we are conditional in our love. We don't say it, but, that's how, but we behave in that way. Well, you see what you mean? You know how it is. One of your children misbehaves. And it, you come out with those immortal lines. After all the things that I've done for you, how could you do this to me? Yeah? So, basically, what that's all about is that, well, I have done this, I have given you money, I have given you soccer, you live in the house, you, I wash your clothes, blah, 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 blah. Therefore, you will obey me. <laughs> well, that doesn't work either. <laughs> yeah? yeah? Some of you know this. <laughs> that's conditional love. But you see, God isn't like that. He loves us unconditionally. The distinction of the love as expressed in the community of God's people is a demonstration to the world of what God is like. We believe here at the vineyard, and it's one of our values, that the goal of our faith is love. We want to know God's love, to learn how to share that love with other, with one another, and to dis- demonstrate it in a way, in the way we live our lives, to our family, our friends. And those we meet on our way. That's a value and that's on Essentials 101. If you haven't been there or you haven't been to that course, I suggest you go. It's a value that we have. We're not just preaching here for entertainment. These are things that are actually part of our vision and our values. Therefore, we're called as a community to demonstrate a love that's inclusive all embracing we don't judge people we love people we demonstrate God's mercy to them doesn't mean that we're soft there are times when we will speak to you honestly if you're crossing boundaries that the word of God says you shouldn't cross we'll speak to you we'll challenge you we'll do it in love but it's not a free for all there are standards but we'll do it with love a love that serves that's not looking out for one's own interest, but looks to invest time, energy, and money in seeing his name glorified in the midst of the community. In other words, making his name known to us and serving one another. And when people come in and see that, they sense it. Because the world's about how I can get to the next level. But in here, it's how can we get others to the next level? How can we equip them? How can we empower them? How can we release them so they, they can be all that God has called them to be and do? 
A love that never fails to defend the absent, to defend the weak, to demonstrate God's mercy, to show compassion, to comfort, to forgive, to be generous. On this Valentine's Day, that's the kind of love that God gives to us and that's the kind of love we as a community want to demonstrate out to the world. Because that's a distinctive of the people of God, the community of God. That we're a community of love. A love that gives. A love that reaches out. And why do we reach out? Because we have been loved. We've been comforted. We've been shown mercy. We've experienced his goodness. So let's stand. You know, some of us may never... A band can please if you could come up. Some of us may never have experienced his unconditional love. Let me say something to you. In churches where they preach a lot of Bible, it doesn't mean that there's a lot of love. In churches where they preach a lot of Bible, it doesn't mean there is a lot of love. And for some of you here, as I've been preparing this, some of you here, you've been to churches where there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk, a lot of Bible, but there's not a lot of love. And you've not experienced the love of God, as Paul put it in Romans chapter 5, being shed abroad, being communicated into your heart. And why you find it difficult to love is because you've not experienced that. You know it intellectually, you know it cognitively, but you don't know it experientially. And today is an opportunity for those of you who you know who you are, that you can come and you can allow this God who came in the person of his son Jesus to reach into your heart by the Holy Spirit and have him Pour in his love into your heart. And you know the reason he pours it in? So that you can pass it on. And the only reason you've not passed it on is because you've not experienced it. And this morning is an opportunity after the service there that you can come. And we'll pray for you. And we'll pray that the Holy Spirit comes on you and communicates to you that 